Okay, so let's get started. Um, what Marty said was partly true about me and Karen. She didn't, she didn't like me, that's for sure. Um, I didn't kiss her on the neck, though, I don't think. But that was, but what, what, what was, well, the reason why I was red, I was red because I did kiss her for the first time and I missed and I kissed her on the neck. So, uh, but I didn't ask, I, I did ask her to kiss, but it was, it was the day I asked her to be my girlfriend uh, in a gazebo overlooking Orange County on the ocean, and she was there, and I went to close my eyes, and I, and I leaned in, and I, we missed each other, and I kissed her neck, and it was embarrassing, to say the least. It was embarrassing. It was our very first little peck. So, in my hand, I have your best friend at times. His, his name is Cheddar, Skrilla, Lula, Greenback, Doe, Mo Money, Mo Money, Mo Money. And what we're doing is we're trying to balance how we handle our finances because the Bible has much to say. In fact, it is littered with teachings about how to handle money and possessions. It is literally the most talked about passage passages or theme in the scriptures. So if I balance this, I need a reference point. I, I'm going to stare at the dollar sign so I can balance it on my hand. So I need to stare at it. If I look away or at you, I lose the sense of balance. It's very hard to balance. Okay? So I need a reference point. And we talked about that uh, many, uh, a few weeks ago, and we called that you have to know where your money is going. Where is it headed to? Where is it going? So we talked about three areas. One is my reference point. Two is the, the reason why I'm trying to balance my finances. Because our objective, and spiritually speaking for Christians, is my objective is to honor God with my money. Because He gives it to me. Uh, it's out of my control. I do not control the economy. I, I'm, I, am, I am the beneficiary of a healthy economy. I get money. I have work. I have a profession. Because God has given us an economy. We, didn't, we don't, we don't uh, change the economy. It just God does that. Okay? He's in charge of it. And lastly, at the bottom of my hand, I'm always, even though I have a reference point and my objective, I'm always making constant corrections to my hand to make sure I'm, I'm holding the stick, I'm balancing it. So there's always a constant correction to managing money. And some of the corrections we talked about were, um, what do you do with your extra money? And I asked you the question, what do you, and you said, what extra money? And I said, Hey, you have plenty of extra money outside of your food and the roof over your head and getting to and from work. Everything else is extra. You know what extra people do with extra money? They go to the movies. They go to four bucks. They have seasonal wardrobe. They have winter clothes, summer clothes, spring clothes, fall clothes. That's what people with extra do. They, uh, they do things. They go places with extra. And we asked you to consider understanding that you do have extra, but we have convinced ourselves because the culture is always telling you you don't have this or you don't have that. When you go to Oxnard, it's the only time you notice when you have too much. When you go to Oxnard and you go down a certain road down in Oxnard, you're going like, I have too much. I have way too much. I am a filthy, I, I am Scrooge. I am, I, am, I am the scum of the earth. Look at these people. That's the only time we realize it. Now other parts of Oxnard, you're going, well, I don't have a house like that. <laughs> That's a nice house. It's right on the beach. I should be living here. I don't have enough. My car's worn down. 
You know what people with Expert do? They take perfectly good cars that run perfectly fine, and they turn them into a, a, a place that has many cars, and they get a, a bigger and better one. They call it an upgrade. That's what people with Expert do. So we're going to talk about another correction about <coughs> spending. Another awareness, because we're constantly correcting our financial awareness. Last week we talked about, or two weeks ago we talked about, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. Just because you have stuff, it doesn't identify who you are before God. It doesn't at all, actually. It's just the opposite. Okay? And, and, and Jesus was addressing that. The assumption is that we think all the extra is for our consumption. We think the extra is just for us. When in fact, God wants us to be aware of other people in need so we can help others with our extra. Okay? So let's continue. Let's talk about spending. I put it in a green background because, you know, whether you're cash and carry or whether you have a credit card, you're always, we're always spending on something. This morning, you may have already started your spending. This morning, I went to McDonald's. I got a little number two. I know what a, you know what a number two is? You know what you're feeling me right there. Number two. Okay? 600 calories right there. Start of my morning. Not a very good start to the morning. Okay? I had a little extra. That's what extra, people with extra do, right? They go to, they go to Mickey D's. Uh, three weeks ago, uh, I, I noticed that our flooring in our, in our house was bubbling up. And we thought, well, our dog had urinated on the kitchen floor, and so Gio goes there and spanks doggy. Oh. <laughs> urinated on the kitchen floor. So... Uh, we thought, okay, it, it, it happens, and that's what dog life is. And you have a dog in the house, and they urinate. When you don't take him out, it's our fault, his fault. It doesn't matter if it's whose fault. He just gets a spanking, right? It's just a doggy. Doggy, doggy, right? So it started bubbling up. Then it started to move. It started to shift down the flooring. And we're like, he hasn't been going potty in the house. Why is the floor bubbling up? And then I went to the garage, and I, I saw a leak about two and a half weeks ago. And I thought, well, my son must have left the freezer open in the fridge, and, and the, fr- the, uh, the ice just melted. I go, oh, that makes sense. Refrigerator, water, good. But it kept, the floor kept moving open, up, and up. It kept bubbling. Like, we're talking now 10 feet. And we're going, something is just not adding up here. So I go back to the garage to see more water. I'm going like, well, it's not the freezer this time. And I happen to look underneath our water heater, and it's dripping. So for over a month, the water heater was leaking water and putting mold on the drywall and ruining our floors on both sides. And then, and then I'm going, What's the, how much does that cost? How much do I got to spend here? And then I thought, why, Lord, am I doing a financial series on balance? Why do you test me, Lord? Why? Because the temptation was, i got to get someone who knows what they're doing, because I have no idea how to put up drywall, I have no idea how to put flooring. The temptation is to go hire a guy, put it on a credit card, and just be done with it. That was my first gut response, what I wanted to do. Then, you know, you, got, you, got, you call a brother, you call, you call a man of God. So I call Steve Burns. Steve, that's what happened. He comes over, you know, Steve says, let me check it out. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta fix that. Yeah, you gotta dry this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta take care of it. And he leaves. <laughs> so I'm like, I thought you were gonna come over and like cut the drywall for me and just set it for me and say that's how you do it, Gio. I live on a farm. You know, I thought I was gonna do something like that. But no, he doesn't do that. He, he, he's trying to teach me to fish. And I was like, why do you? I'm supposed to come over and help. But, but he was teaching me how to fish. So I, I went on. I went on my my next best friend. I went on YouTube. 
how do you how do you hang drywall? And I saw guys do it. I'm like, if they can do it, I can do it. And so I called this other guy. Hey, hey, buddy, have you ever laid up drywall? I did it once, like ten years ago. You're the perfect guy. For me. He came over. He's my laborer, and we put up drywall together, and it was awesome. And now it's done. And I put the little drywall tape last night. And sometime later on tonight, I'm going to start mudding it. It's construction talk. They call it mud. <laughs> mudding it. And it's a slow process. There's still cement. The flooring's not done. The house looks a mess. There's dust everywhere. But I, have to, I had to remember what God was trying to teach me. He said, if you're going to teach this stuff, you better live it. Wow. You start teaching about finances. Man, here came the, so our floor's not going to get done until we have the money. Because the temptation is to go hire a guy for three hundred thousand bucks, put on a credit card, and I just paid off in, in six years. <laughs> right? That's the temptation. So now the flooring will be the flooring. I'm going to watch YouTube. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to. I'll do it little by little, but it'll get done without having us to go into debt. The Lord is watching us. The Lord is loving us enough. So I'm going to talk about spending, and that's a little bit about the temptation, but. Another way of spending is this, is discontentment. The reason why sometimes we spend is because we're discontent with our financial situation, our current situation. We're discontent. If I can use another word that helps us understand, is awareness. When you become aware of what you think you don't have, it fuels discontentment and that fuels spending. I was discontent with our flooring. I was aware this is not a, this is not this does not look good, and so my awareness, my knee jerk was, well, let's just go spend and get it fixed, versus uh, just being patient. In Ecclesiastes five, it says this in verse ten: Whoever loves money never has enough money. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with. His income. Is that not the truth, church? You know, unlike past generations, we are bombarded with reminders of what we don't have. We are bombarded. You just drive down the freeway, you don't have this, you don't have that, you need this, you need that. In the past, people replaced things. They literally replaced it when they were broken, worn out, or got lost. Today our culture says, you don't need to, you need to upgrade. You need to upgrade. If you turn this in, we'll give you an upgrade. But it's not broken or lost. But you have to upgrade. I I thought, that's true, I got an iPhone 5. I upgraded. I upgraded all my phones. I upgraded everything. I must have technology. I must have every email at my fingertips, you know. We are fine until... We are aware of what we don't have. We all have a couple areas of weaknesses. Maybe your area is eating out. You drive by to have it. I got to stop. But I'm only a mile home. No, no, no. Their burgers are better than in and out. I got to stop. Maybe it's like, oh, no, we got to watch the newest movie. No, but it comes off on TV on demand in six weeks. No, 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 no. We got to watch it now. I have to have the surround sound. Maybe it's technology. I must have technology. I must have, you know, this or that, the iPad or whatever. I must have it. My kitchen needs to be redone. It must be done. Even though the cabinets work fine. 
video game consoles, cameras, everyone's got their weakness. Okay, everyone has one. Everyone's got it. Uh, the twist is, the more stuff or things we accumulate, it does not reduce our discontentment. It doesn't reduce it. If I get more things, it doesn't reduce it because I become more aware of what I, other things I don't have. And it fuels it. And it fuels that desire or that appetite for more. You know, if you want to lose weight, you have to train your stomach to accept a certain amount of food. If you train your stomach to have 3,500 3, calories a day, it'll only accept 3,500. So you have to train it with discipline. I'm only going to give you 2,000. Okay? I was on the 4,000 calorie a day for like three years. I weighed 206 pounds. Can you believe that? I was like, I was like, what happened to me? It's because I trained my body that I have to, you know, in and out spine every night. Or this is or eating the fries with the burger. Or I would just eat it because I would just would just train my body to eat. Not that I, I where I want to be, I'm still a little chunky in my kids' eyes. I still have a muffin top. I'm trying to ruin that that description of me, but it's there. So I'm working on it. Your appetite for stuff grows as much as you feed it. If you feed it, it grows. So, but as goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? These are the scriptures dealing with our heart. As they increase, so do those who consume them. There is, a, there is a desire to want the newest stuff. There is. But to be fair, discontentment isn't always that bad. It's not always a bad thing. To be fair, to be honest, it's good to be discontented with bad habits, with unhealthy relationships, with lack of progress, with being distant from God, having broken relationships, Injustice. There should be, there, to be fair, it's not always bad. There's some good things to be discontent about. Dissatisfaction with your current circumstance. You know, it's led to some, uh, some great things in the world. Our church, you know, is meeting a need spiritually in this area. We started a church here many years ago. You know, we were discontent with the spiritual uh, uh, take on where the community was at. So we had a church here. It's awesome. So discontentment is not always that bad. It can be positive. So what if we could become discontent in our pursuit of always trying to accumulate stuff? What if we were discontent with having a self-centered financial orientation? What if you were discontent the way you are and how you use money? And Jesus has a solution for you. What if discontentment drove you to be free financially? I'm tired of looking at the, the credit card statements. I'm discontent with having all these bills. My paycheck goes from here to debt. I'm discontent. What if it fueled you to be free? What if it did that? With that in mind, let's turn your Bibles to First Tim- chapter, First Timothy chapter six, in verse six. Paul is writing a letter to someone he's mentoring, and his name is Timothy. And what he's doing here, he's warning him about people that stir up trouble in the church. And so, he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, that deals with this topic. Deals with contentment. Okay, if you don't have your Bible, I have it on the board for you. He says, Godliness with contentment is great 
gain. Let's take a stop, stop for a second. Real gain, he says, is not related to accumulating things. Real gain has nothing to do with buying stuff. He says, godliness with contentment. In other words, a clear conscience toward God and satisfaction with what you have is great gain. That is awesome. He says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. So gain can't be stuff. If we can't, if we accumulate and we leave nothing behind, having great gain can't equal stuff. It can't equal stuff that we own or, or use every day. Because we'll take nothing with us. If we live our entire lives and gain nothing, that's what it says. We'll gain nothing at the end. We'll, that iPad is staying back home. Someone else is gonna, it might be on eBay when you're gone. It's gone. Someone else is going to have it. Someone else will get it. Okay? If life equals stuff, if like e- equals stuff, when we die, we lose everything. If that's what life means. But it doesn't. Look what he says. But if we had food and clothing... He goes, we'll be content with that. Sounds kind of unrealistic. You're thinking, I can't, I, I, need, I need this. But ask yourself this question. When were you most content in your life? When you had less stuff or when you had more stuff? For me, it was when I had less. When I had less stuff, I was way happier than when I had more stuff. When I had more stuff, it meant more responsibility, more stress. When I bought a home, it was more stress. It adds to our awareness. But if godliness isn't great gain, if you believe it's not great gain, then go ahead and live richly. Live richly. If you don't believe it's great gain, just do the opposite. He says, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. People whose orientation or objective is to just build wealth, they're not balanced. And and these are specific temptations and traps. And, you know, that's the word that he uses. They're called a trap because you're unaware of the trap. It's not called a trap if you know it's there. It's a trap because you fall into it and you're unaware of this trap. That's why it's called a trap. And I, I've known friends that have done that. I have done this. I've fallen trying to do and keep up many things into foolish and harmful desires that plunge people in Discontentment is dangerous when it comes to how you handle your money and possessions. He says, for the love of money, for the love of money, the one, I want to get rich, leaning into money, you know, it's hard to see the love of money in the mirror. It's hard to see. People see it in you, but you don't see it in yourself. It's hard to see. How do you know? What are you willing to do for it? Who are you willing to hurt? Because love is relative. You know, when I was in high school, I put my my, my clothing for football practice in another man's locker because mine had water in it, so I I kept my, my clothes in my buddy's locker. 
who was my other buddy, and we were sports guys in football. When I came out after practice, and he'd already gone and changed, I was out there late working on, on extra stuff in practice. I came back, and I put my pants on, and I was going to go, I had, I'm going to go to the store, I'm going to get some cupcakes and go home. And I went my, which is my pocket, and my money was gone. And, the, and I was like, who did that? <laughs> the only guy who has a combination is him. And I learned an early lesson. Sometimes even your friends do things for money that would that jeopardize a relationship. And our relationship radically changed. We were two football stars in the same huddle, but we didn't like each other. Because when I confronted him, he denied it. And I was it was trouble in paradise. And I got home and I shared it with my dad. And my dad gave me a very jaded perspective. When it comes to money, you have no friends. That's what he said. He screamed it. When it comes to money, you have no friends. And so for many, many years, when it came to money, I could not have friends. I would not get involved with my friends with money because I knew that it would, some way or another, I would cheat him or he would cheat me over this and our relationship would be ruined. How many of you have ruined relationships over money? How many of you have put your marriage in distress over money. How many of you fight over money because one person is spending more than what you have and creating more debt or money? This needs to be balanced and really needs to be checked. So, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with Many griefs. Discontentment is dangerous. Be wary. But you, man of God, flee from all this. You know, what does this mean? What's, what's this? What's that? What's this? The orientation that your life needs to have more. Or being in love with more. Flee from this. Pursue another. He has to tell us this because it's not natural. It's natural for us to, to be to gravitate toward it. He says, flee from it, run from it. This is a command. Get out of there. And pursue. Pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness. Faith. Love. Endurance and gentleness. Let your life be characterized by these things. This is contentment with godliness. He says, pursue this. This is much more value for you in this life and the next if you pursue these things. Instead of pursuing what our culture wants us to believe. Contentment is found by redirecting your pursuit. It's found by redirecting it from here to here. I'm, I, I pursue this. I'm going to change it. I'm doing that right now with my house. I'm redirecting my, 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 my nature, my, my emotions. i got to fix this now versus, oh, wait, hold on. Maybe I need to man up and learn how to lay some drywall once in my lifetime. I've never, that's a, I should check it off the bucket list. I did drywall. It's like, I did it. It was a great feeling. And then Bernsey came over. Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's up? I said, the drywall. He's like, great job, man. Great job. And I'm like, I 
then he gave me a man comment that I can't repeat to you guys, but he, he gave me like a, like a bunch. He's like, you're a man. I'm like, yes, I feel like a man today. It was awesome. It was great to hear from one man who I admire and respect, to hear like, that's a man. I'm like, I did it. You know, I subscribe to the theartofmanliness.com. It's a website that, that, that really sh- shares how to be a man's man. So I have that. I teach the campus that. But I also teach it for myself because, you know, so th- I'm a man in certain things, but I'm a weasel in other things. And so I'm trying to get my weaselness up to be a man. For one area is drywalling and fixing things around the house. I let Karen do it. <laughs> Karen does it. You know why she does it? Because she's better than me at it. I'm, I'm personality. I'll encourage you. I'll root you on. I'll, I'll play music for you. So, he says to pursue this, but he also gives us another avenue to walk through in our desire to be balanced. He says, okay, flee from the culture, flee from that, 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 that desire to be discontent, I'm unhappy. He says, pursue this. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. This is godliness with contentment. Because your extras, you realize they're not for your consumption. They're actually to help other people. Your generosity in this church has helped people. It says be rich in good deeds. Be generous and be willing to share. In this way, you'll lay up treasures for yourself as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. This is great gain. Gain that goes beyond this life. Because of your generosity, we're able to see this. Because you've been generous, and you are learning how to to live without the extra and be helpful to our ministry because you're generous with our ministry here, the church that's here. We're able to have the ability to go out and make disciples even in the campus ministry. And that's Andre Prevo, Prevo who was baptized a few weeks ago. Or last week. He's sitting here today. Where's, where's Andre, by the way? There's Andre. Okay. Because of your generosity. Because of your generosity. Guess what happened yesterday? That's what God is trying to teach us. You know that extra you have? All that stuff? He says, be generous with it. Because it saves lives. It changes lives. That's what God wants us to do. Because we're not going to take it with us. You know that couple that's anonymous that says, hey, we'll match up to $1,000 of benevolence? That's what it's about. You know, you're giving, you're giving stuff to Tecate orphans. That's what it's about. Giving your extras to uh, somebody else is godliness with contentment. You're pursuing the right things. So keep it up. Keep it up because you're doing the right thing. And some of us, we're trying to get out of debt and we're trying to balance this. I'm even doing this right hand and I'm a lefty. See, you can do it. We can balance our finances. We can actually do it. We can actually be free. We can actually live free. We can actually understand that, you know what? It's all for the here. I'm going to help be generous because I'm not taking it with me. I'd rather, I'd rather live wisely and pursue the right things. Being rich in good deeds. Being, doing good. 
and being generous and willing to share. This is your firm foundation for how you handle money. It is awesome. He, Paul says to flee discontentment. You have to bridle it. You have to systematically discipline yourself with it. You have to pre-decide. You have to have a firewall that says, you know what? I'm not going back into debt just because there's a financial need. I'm not going back in. There's a firewall. Okay, I will change my lifestyle and live on less so I don't go into debt. Create your own firewall. This is the firewall. I'm not going in. The temptation for me was to go past my firewall and pay some guy who has the skill and do it, to do it. I said, I'm going to bypass that. I'm going to be patient and I'm going to wait. Amen. And I'm going to get encouraged by a man to come go, go to my house and say, in other words, he was saying, be a man. He didn't say it like that. He's a friend. He goes, hmm, you can do this. And he walked away. <laughs> and I did it. And I didn't think I could do it, but I did it. And then I sent him a picture on it and said, subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I did it. This, this here, this man right here, is a direct reflection of your generosity. Amen. This couple, direct Robert and Rose, who's sitting back there. Come on. Woo! Direct reflection. Yeah. Not just Robert and Rose, but the matriarch, Charlie in the back. Yeah. That's Charlie's son. Charlie has one son. She has two. In this church, you're baptized. Amen. Essence in San Diego. There's Richard right there. You might, you might mistake. I call him Robert, and I always mistake him, but now I know who they are. <laughs> right? Almost the entire family. Because what you give and what you, you're so generous with, we're able to do things like this. This is a constant correction. <laughs> Correcting our constant pursuit of more. Okay? So I want you to do a couple things. I want you to think about this first. What creates material discontentment in you? Are there, what, what are some websites you need to avoid? What are some magazines you need to stop subscribing to? What are some stores you need to avoid? You know, when I go into the Apple store, oh, I'm like, ooh. Ah, oh, I play with the iPad. Oh, yes. One day, my friend, you'll be part of this. You'll make my life so much easier. You know, I'm not saying out here, I'm not saying that it's wrong to own an iPad. What I'm saying is, if you aren't pursuing the right things and you're just pursuing that, that won't get you content. Okay, here, understand what I'm saying? Jew is not preaching, live aesthetically, and just. I just said bread and water, that's all I'm gonna eat. Everything else is extra. No, if you want to buy Fruit Loops, go ahead and buy Fruit Loops. Buy Apple Jacks, that's fine. What I'm saying is don't make it your pursuit. Don't pursue it to the point where you have no margin. You're living paycheck to paycheck. There's no room. You need a margin so you can live with godliness and contentment. What can you do? What can you do? To make you less aware. Okay? And I'm not promoting throw out your TV set, your flat screen you just bought. I'm not saying that. What if you were to fast? What if you were to fast once a week? What if you were to fast from TV once a week? What if you were to fast just from food once a week? Just to remind you of people out in the world that feel the same thing every single day and are starving and dying. Just to remind you that God, there are people and you've blessed me and I need to be generous. 
What should you do to be more uh, content in your life? Pursue the things we talked about. Because discontentment is dangerous. Have you ever been discontent with your intimacy with God? I mean, we get discontent about what we don't have. How about your relationship with God? Are you discontent with that? Are you discontent with your knowledge of the Bible? These are things that, that are discontentment is a good thing. I want to learn more about the Bible. Because discontentment is dangerous. It will get you unbalanced. And constant correction requires intentional an intentional move in the other direction. Yeah. It requires that. So let's close here with to do. I want you to confess this week your temptations. Pick someone you like or pick someone you don't like. doesn't matter. Pick someone this week that I'm going to confess what tempts me. And here's, when you're on the receiving end of a confession, let me give you advice. Don't be like... <laughs> okay? That is not helpful in a confession. <laughs> okay? And then also, don't do this. I knew it. <laughs> oh, in your heart, say, oh, I knew it. You selfish greed. You know... <laughs> I want you to avoid both extremes. The, the pleasant, yes, tell me more, and I'm judging you. Right? And also avoid the, oh my gosh, I'm appalled look. Sincerely, when you hear the confession saying, let me confess too. Amen. You know, when you're a confession, you confess something too. The most annoying thing in a relationship, when someone confesses, is going like, I have a solution for you. Just confess first what your struggles are, and then give a solution. Oh, how about this? Let's hold each other accountable to our confessions. Okay? Then you walk in our house next week. I thought you discontinued that magazine. Then you can go, dun, dun, dun. Okay, hold each other accountable. Okay? Confess your temptations. Because we need each other's help in this pursuit to be content with godliness. Thank you very much.